You are listening to The Interactome, a podcast by a group of young researchers who want to connect you to the world of science by sharing their stories and perspectives. Just in case their bosses are listening, they want to remind you that the opinions expressed here are their own. They also want to remind you not to take anything they say as medical or professional advice, as they are not doctors. Not yet, anyway. Stay tuned about that. And, without further ado, welcome to the Interactome. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Interactome. Uh, before we begin tonight uh, discussing our topic about graduate school, we have an announcement which is very, very exciting. Um, we'd like to officially welcome a uh, guest or a former guest who you may have heard. Uh, you may have heard his voice in the intro, the uh, wonderful Sam Pickell, also known as Pickle, is officially joining us as a full-time podcast member. He is uh, someone that we're very excited to have on the team. He brings some new additional expertise that none of us have. And he is our editor extraordinaire. So we're, we're very excited to have him. Uh, welcome. Welcome, Pickle. And uh, thank yeah. you, Joe. I could, I could go ahead and just give a quick little about me. Hi, I'm Pickle. You may have heard me before. I'm the voice in the intro. Um, professionally, I do um, software engineering. Um, I got my master's in computer science at UMass Lowell. And um, yeah, I'm just really happy to be here. I think uh, it'll be really fun to not only participate, but kind of work behind the scenes too. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So I guess uh, getting right into it, um, the topic of tonight is uh, our just graduate school. What is it? Uh, why would one do it? What's the point? How does one get to doing it? Um, and yeah, I guess we can kind of just open with, for everyone, uh, what, what, what is graduate school in your opinion? Uh, we could just kind of, Throw it out to everyone here. Yeah, so uh, I would say graduate school, at least pursuing a PhD, uh, is, um, well, a PhD is a terminal degree. And I think the word terminal is very telling as to what a PhD actually is. So essentially, it involves you becoming an expert in a very small academic niche or research niche. And so it's really an opportunity to create new knowledge and do research that has never been done before. Um, and this is probably one of the most exciting aspects of a PhD to me personally. Yeah, for, for me, getting my master's was kind of, uh, and it's a little different than what some of the others may have gone through. But um, for me, it was kind of an opportunity to further practice and expand my knowledge in the computer science field. Um, I feel like while it is something, you know, you, you go and study for a lot of computer science comes from practice. So the additional time being able to learn a new language or kind of reinforce what I've already learned um, was particularly helpful to me taking that next step, going into a full-time career and um, that extra little bit of practice and, and, you know, industry knowledge brought to you by people who have practiced and studied is, um, I think it gives you a leg up in some ways. Yeah, I, uh, I'm doing something a little different. It's a combined M MD medical doctorate and a PhD 
degree. Um, and so we've kind of already talked about the goal of a PhD, but the medical doctorate is primarily designed to help people become physicians who uh, kind of understand uh, human health and how to take care of people when they are dealing with illness. And that is kind of a whole different sphere of things. It's a little different than the the more research-oriented um, fields because it kind of has like this humanistic um, caring aspect to it, um, which we can definitely get into more later. But uh, I think, uh, yeah, that's one thing I think that we should point out is that these are definitely not all the the graduate school degrees that one can do. There are plenty of others out there. For example, uh, I know a few people who are doing a doctor of veterinary medicine, um, which is different than a, a medical doctorate. And like we we can share our experiences about like our graduate degree experience, but we definitely are not knowledgeable about other degrees. So just a little caveat to keep in mind when listening to us, take our words with a grain of salt, for sure. Yeah, definitely. So um, I can share a little bit about um, my graduate degree experience thus far, and hopefully this can be helpful to anyone who has similar interests. So I am actually in my first week of starting my PhD in chemical biology. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> Very exciting. Um and so I just want to talk a little bit about why I chose to pursue this PhD program um, and what it's been like so far, which isn't much yet, but um, it's still been exciting. So one of the, well, there were actually multiple reasons why I chose to pursue a PhD. So essentially, I've really enjoyed research um, throughout my undergraduate degree. I was able to participate in a few research opportunities um, where I really got to understand what it takes to be like what it, what it takes to be in the lab twenty four seven. Well, <laughs> hopefully not. Hopefully only eight hours <laughs> in a day um, for five days a week. But uh, really, what a full time research job looks like. Um, and through these experiences, I came to really appreciate and get excited about research. And so, a PhD is really, as I mentioned earlier, an opportunity to deep dive into a really specific niche, um, an opportunity really to do research in, that hasn't been done before and that you're passionate about. Um, and so I think it's really exciting to be able to be um, an independent researcher, right? To have your ideas develop and be able to give, to be in a space really where you can pursue uh, the questions that excite you. Um, and I think I mean, Maya can talk a lot more about this, but I really do believe that a PhD teaches you skills inside of the lab and beyond the lab um, that are really applicable to all sorts of careers afterwards. Um, and so I definitely want to pursue a career where I need a PhD. So that is also one of the reasons why I did this. And what has it been like so far? <laughs> well, it's been really exciting, a little nerve wracking. Um, as anything is when it's new. Um, but I'm going to pass it on to Maya because she <laughs> knows a lot more than I do. <laughs> Great. Wonderful. Thanks, Lauren. Um, yeah. As Lauren mentioned, I um, am in a PhD program right now, and I am currently in my fourth year, which is 
crazy to me. Um, so been here for a while and hopefully I can have some um, helpful or insightful things to share with you all. Um, so for me, um, I guess I wanted to add on another thing about what doing a PhD means to me is that um, not only has everyone else mentioned that this is an opportunity for you to get really specialized knowledge, um, but I think doing a PhD is so different from um, what one would experience in their undergraduate education. So instead of kind of like learning all of the knowledge um, that you have in your lectures or read in the textbooks, now you get to become a part of creating that knowledge. Um, and that is especially exciting, but also really difficult to do because like no one has ever taught you how to do that yet. Um, so something um, that I kind of have been reflecting on um, during my years um, in grad school is that um, doing a PhD in my experience has really taught you to, has taught me how to be pretty critical of information that I come across. So um, in like my undergraduate education, I would like do my best to learn um, everything that my professors gave me. Um, but now as a graduate student, um, at least in my program, people are transitioning students into um, being able to like question um, material that you're presented with. And what do you think about it? How could you improve it? Um, and what would you do next to answer and ask more questions? Um, so that's what I would say is like a thing that sets apart um, grad school from an undergraduate education is making that shift between a consumer of knowledge to a producer of knowledge. Um, so hopefully I feel like I've sort of gotten a flavor for that after four years um, in my PhD program. Um, but I should also mention um, that I'm doing my PhD um, in molecular biology research. Um, so what that means for me um, and in my program specifically, um, since I feel like that's the best um, I am most informed of to offer, um, is that uh, my program is very research-based. Um, so instead of um, attending a lot of lectures and going to classes, um, what people in my program do is conduct research um, all day long. So typically um, for a biology PhD program, at least from my experience, um, is that when you apply, um, you'll first take some time in your first year um, to find a lab that you're interested in conducting research um, with. So some programs have rotations, um, which is a term for a like two or three month stint in a lab where you try out the research, you get to know the people that are in the lab, um, and see if the science and the people are a good fit for you. Um, so in my program, we had three rotations throughout the year, so three tries um, to see different labs in campus that we were interested in. And then at the end of our first year, we picked our lab homes um, and picked the picked one lab to do our thesis research in. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like the first part um, of the biology PhD experience. Um, and then after that first year, it differs per program, but there are teaching responsibilities. So um, if you remember graduate student instructors or um, teaching assistants from undergraduate um, school or undergrad, um, 
they um, are typically grad school students that are um, fulfilling their teaching requirements. So you get to be on the other side of the classroom, um, disseminating knowledge to the students. Um, and then after that, um, typically in PhD programs, um, you take something called a qualifying exam. Um, and they're also kind of referred to as different things in different programs. I think um, some people call them prelims or preliminary exams or something like that. Um, but it's basically just a big exam at the supposed halfway point of your PhD um, where you, um, it can differ from school to school, but you um, typically submit a research proposal for the rest of your um, research plans for the rest of the school year, um, for the rest of your graduate school career. Um, and then you kind of have that vetted by a panel of professors um, and they give you feedback. And then with that, um, hopefully you're good to go to research for the rest of the time. So um, as a fourth year, I've uh, done my teaching responsibilities and I've taken my qualifying exam. So now I'm just trying to get the good research done to put together um, a really cool dissertation. So um, something that I didn't quite know about grad school before is that um, after the first few years, it can be kind of nebulous and unstructured. So compared to undergrad, where you have very defined semesters and exams, um, in grad school, it's kind of like you do your research um, and then you're just kind of done at some kind of like unspecified time because research um, doesn't often follow a linear path. Um, so for different graduate schools, there are different requirements um, for completing the program and receiving your PhD. So for example, um, a common requirement is that um, a student will publish their dissertation research or um, at least have a manuscript to put out um, on an open source archive on the internet um, so that others can read it, um, since that's an important part of the academic process, which is um, sharing what you've done with the rest of the community. Um, so with all of that, though, um, there's always like input from your fellow like professors in the program and your classmates in your lab. Um, so you're part of just like this big community that's just doing research and producing knowledge and sharing it with the world. But yeah, I guess that's basically um, a PhD in a nutshell. Um, and yeah, how it's been going is okay. It's, it is challenging because um, I feel like as, as I've gotten further and further into grad school, I feel like I can't predict anything that will happen. So um, whether that's good or bad, um, I think I've just gotten very comfortable with like rolling with what life gives me. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I think that I just want to <laughs> talk about uh, something you just said earlier, Maya, um, about grad school being, at least during a PhD, becoming really unstructured. Um, and having to deal with a lot of setbacks um, and still pushing through. Um, what do you think was the most important um, kind of steps you took before starting your PhD that have helped you to handle that? Do you think that having research experience and kind of knowing what it's like to do research or was it talking to other people who've done a PhD or was it kind of just being a process of dealing with things as they come? <laughs> Yeah, that's a great question. I would say that um, definitely having research experience before grad school is a must, and it is the most 
I would say, accurate predictor of um, what grad school is like because um, you'll be spending a lot of your time um, in the lab, conducting research, um, and yeah, thinking about science all the time. Um, so I found it really helpful to um, explore research opportunities um, as early as I could um, in my undergraduate career. So um, poking or sending emails to like random professors and asking them if like they had a spot um, for a summer in a lab, that kind of thing. Um, getting to learn techniques um, and even like sometimes um, finding a position in a lab is kind of um, random at times. You just kind of have to be in the right place at the right time. So even taking advantage of teaching labs um, at your undergraduate school and learning how to do different techniques, um, I think is very helpful because that'll be um, your day to day. So um, I think trying to get into um, a culture of research um, early on is um, a good idea and it'll let you know um, whether or not um, doing this for the next five plus years is a good fit for you. Um, and honestly, like learning how to roll with the punches has been a process since grad school is very different from undergrad in terms of like structuring and like um, how much kind of like, uh, um, how do I say this? Like in, in grad school, like you don't have a lot of indicators that tell you whether or not you're doing a good job um, because you are meant to be an independent researcher um, and oftentimes like research does not go linearly. So maybe you have like a year or two that like um, is pretty dry in terms of research, but then like everything amazing happens like in your last year. Um, so it's kind of like different compared to undergrad because you have semesters and exams and quizzes to tell you that, oh, you're on the right track. Um, so that is something that I wish I knew um, a little bit more about before. Um, but yeah, it has been a process to kind of like learn how to roll with the punches. And honestly, I think it's a great transferable skill once you get out of grad school because you become very adaptable um, and creative in your problem solving as a result. And resilient, I'm sure. And resilient, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I just want to, before you wrap up your section, Maya, I have one more question for you that I think would be really helpful to anyone listening who's interested in grad school or about to start grad school. Um, you talked about mentors being really important for uh, the success of your program. And I know that the program I'm in is also very flexible and there's not a lot of structure. Um, so I'm wondering how you found, basically, how did you find your mentors? How did you go about that? Because um, I'm sure a lot of people would get value from your experience. Yeah, so... Um... Finding a good mentor, it, it is quite important. I totally agree for grad school. Um, and the way that I found mine um, was through like a variety of means. So the rotation program that I talked about where you try out different labs for a few months, um, that was really helpful for me in determining what kind of mentor worked best for my personality. Um, so for example, like I am a kind of person that really values like constant feedback so I know um, if I'm like kind of on the right track or not or um, if I'm like barking down the wrong path or something like that and I really enjoy having someone to bounce ideas off of um, so my ideal mentor would be somebody who is like 
available and willing to talk with me um, pretty frequently. Um, so I figured out that um, there are different styles of mentors that you can encounter in grad school um, and probably like a mentor that is like away or traveling a lot at conferences or was really busy and didn't have time for meetings um, was probably not the one for me, but maybe um, a really good mentor for somebody else um, who kind of likes to uh, work on their own more and have more time to explore like um, what they think they want to do and that kind of thing. Um, so... Also, another good resource for finding good mentors is just talking to a lot of the people already in the program. So um, I think grad schools always have like a lot of opinions about like who's the, in the department um, and their stories and experiences with them. Um, so if you find that um, a mentor has been coming up a lot in conversation and whether or not um, people are saying or having positive or negative experiences with them, um, you can take that into kind of like your um, judgment and checklist of what um, a good mentor would be like for you. Um, but of course, those are other people's opinions. So the best way to find out is to um, try to build a relationship with them at first. And a good opportunity to do that is in those trial rotations. That's super helpful. So essentially, you have to know yourself well or get to know yourself well. Yeah, Which I did a lot of, important. yeah, <laughs> and I think um, you'll probably do this too, Lauren, um, yeah. but at the beginning of grad school, I did a lot of soul searching and I was like, who am I? How am I going to thrive? I am um, going through that exact <laughs> process right now. Yes. And yeah, it's exciting and a little nerve wracking for sure. Yeah, I think um, that's another cool part about grad school is that you discover a lot about yourself um, and what you're capable of doing. I'm excited yeah. for the challenge. <laughs> yeah, this is actually super helpful for me to hear too, um, because as I mentioned earlier, I'm doing a combined MD and PhD. Um, the, the, my path is a little bit different, and we'll get into that in a few minutes. But before we get to that, um, maybe I should talk a little bit about, more about like the medical degree. And so really what it is, um, I, we kind of talked about it, already but the main goal is to train you to be a physician who can take care of patients and eventually um, after you're done medical school you'll go on to maybe specialize in uh, something uh, maybe you're become a doctor who's focused on cancer or heart disease or things like that um, I should also mention um, before getting into the nitty-gritty of it that there are two kinds of doctor medical doctor programs in the united states first there's the um, allopathic medical doctorate or md which is the one that i'm doing um and there's also the uh the doctor of osteopathy or do which um, i'm actually not doing and therefore do not have um, a lot of experience to talk about it in um a do is generally to my knowledge similar to an md but um, one additional thing that they do is they learn a lot more about like physical manipulations of the body, like uh, things more along the lines of like um, massaging or things like that to help really treat your ailing muscles and things along those lines. Um, whereas uh, med like allopathic MDs, like the one that I will become, are more focused on um, therapeutics and things along those lines. Um, but yeah, so uh, in terms of what an MD is, it's really helping teach you what you need to know to take care of patients. So everything from 
the biology to um, how how do you enter a room and talk to someone in the exam room? Um, how do you listen to what your patient is trying to tell you? Like all those kinds of things. Um, and so it covers everything from like hard sciences, like mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell to um, just how what, what's good body language. Um, so it's, it's a very, um, uh, uh, every school is different. Uh, every medical school is different, but um, my experience so far has been generally along those lines. Um, admittedly, I'm only in the third week, um, but um, so I'm, I'm really just starting out. But uh, this has been my general uh, understanding of medical school for a long time. Um, in terms of structure of the normal, like the standard medical degree, uh, usually what you'll do is uh, kind of how it's been for a long time is that you do sort of two years of like medical school classes where you're just, it's more like lecture based and you're learning about everything from like cell biology to like what, what does the cardiovascular system look like and how does it work? Um, so you gen- generally get all the book knowledge that you need to um, get into your clinical rotations um, in your third year, maybe into your fourth year as well. And then you'll have uh, in your fourth year, um, you'll have like additional clinical electives. So rot- while rotations are like, you're basically where you're required to go and work in a specific kind of clinic. So maybe you're working in internal medicine, which is kind of just general like medicine taking care of adults. And then you might find yourself working in obstetrics and gynecology, which is a lot of uh, women's health, um, to uh, even surgery, like suturing and things like that. Um, And then afterwards, you might do electives, which are not necessarily required rotations, but uh, maybe you rotate in a specific department that you didn't have a chance to before. Um, So yeah, and then after that, all of this is preparing you for residency, which is kind of after you get your medical degree. You, you are already a doctor, but you're going to a specific department to really learn how to like really work well in your specialty. So like there, there's actually a long road after the uh, medical degree. Um, there, at minimum like three years, so as long as seven years afterwards um, of training before you're a full like doctor who can practice on their own. Um, so definitely something to keep in mind if you're thinking about becoming a doctor. Uh, it's a long road, but it can be a quite an enjoyable one um, if it is right for you. Um, I guess, why did I choose this? Um, I really, I've had a lot of personal experiences that have kind of reinforced the fact that I want to really just kind of be there to help people when they have these really, really challenging clinical situations. When people are like I, seeing my mom and dad grow up and like deal with their um, like this, like they had some medical challenges, watching how difficult it was for them. And same thing with my grandparents. Um, I really felt like I wanted to in the future um, be there to help people in their time of need as well. Um, in the same way that a lot of the doctors that I saw did for um, my parents and grandparents. Um, and... I think that uh, for me, that's really the main driver of why I want to be a physician. I really enjoy, um, like, kind of contra- in, in contrast to the research aspect of a graduate, some graduate degrees. This graduate degree will enable me maybe to do research. Um, I, I'll have, I'd have to pick it up on my own if I just did the MD. Um, but 
this is more focused on being there in the immediate moment for uh, individuals um, when they have a health uh, or a, a uh, health issue and helping them take care of it in the moment. Um, you're, you're really working on the individual level, like face to face with people instead of like the conceptual level, trying to understand or uncover new knowledge. Um, so it's definitely different from a PhD in that sense. However, um, because I am crazy, uh, I'm also doing the PhD. And um, so I felt like for me, um, I to prepare for medical school, um, I had to like to kind of just to see what it was like. I actually followed some doctors around and shadowed them to kind of just, I, I basically joined them when they were working in the clinic. And uh, one thing that I saw there was a lot of times um, they had things that they could do to help patients. But um, for example, I was, I shadowed in a, a neuro-oncology clinic, a brain cancer clinic. Um, and in those, in, in, with a lot of brain tumors, they have things that they can do to help, but um, it it's very, very challenging. And there's um, a lot that can be done to expand the kinds of treatments that we can give to patients. And so um, one thing that I thought was like, wow, like I want to be a doctor and help in these kinds of situations, but I also kind of want to push the boundaries of what we can do in the clinic. And so that's kind of one reason I'm motivated to research. And that, that's motivated by my experiences in the clinic, as well as just uh, stories that my parents have shared with me about like their own experiences and why they're facing these kinds of things. So for example, my dad was a first responder um, at the um, World Trade Center when uh, 9-11 happened. And he's one of the people who's been um, told like, hey, you might have had some chemical exposures. We're going to have to keep an eye on you and uh, do some screenings to make sure you, or to check it and see if you're developing certain kinds of diseases like cancer or think lung diseases or things like that. And so that led me to think, okay, well, why, why do these chemical exposures cause these diseases? And if I can understand that, maybe we can think about like preventative treatments. Um, and so that is um, another motivation for why I want to research. Um, and so I'm also trying to delve into eventually a subset of, or specialize in a research field as well, uh, similar to Lauren and Maya. Um, but my, my focus, just because I'm also doing the medical doctorate, will be more like oriented on um, kind of un uncovering new, um, the goal will be to eventually be someone who can kind of bridge um, the clinic, like see issues that uh, patients are dealing with. And then bring it back to the lab and say, "Hey, how can we fix the? How can we research this and understand it, and then bring what we learned back to the clinic to help um, improve what we can do for people?" Um, so yeah, in terms of structure, um, an MD PhD degree is a little different than a MD degree or a PhD. Um, I will actually be doing two years of medical school, and then I'll be taking a break to do a PhD, and uh, I'll condense it down to four years. So the um it's a lot of work um and they, they like i don't necessarily have as many teaching responsibilities as maya or lauren will um and the research project that i will do will probably be more like specifically focused on human health and uh its scope may also be slightly smaller however um i'll still have the opportunity to learn all the the scientific thinking skills and uh, most people in empty phd programs will 
publish research papers by the time that they are done their PhD. After that, um, I will, uh, after my four years of doing PhD, I'll go back into the uh, MD degree and uh, kind of fit, pick up where I left off doing more um, like clinical rotations and things like that uh, for the last two years before heading to residency. Um, so it's a, it's a long road, uh, eight years, um, and you're kind of flipping back and forth between degrees, uh, mostly doing one or the other at different times. But for me, um, I've had enough experiences to tell me that like I really couldn't do one or the other. And for what I really want to do, I really do need both clinical expertise and uh, intensive research expertise. And I'm willing to take um, the time to develop that. Um, yeah, um, I guess uh, that's really all I have to say on that as of now. But I'm sure I'll learn more along the way. How do you feel about your experience in school so far? Because I know you just started. Oh, oh yeah, it, it's honestly awesome. Like it, um, I'm already thinking about what research lab I might want to rotate in first. Uh, we actually do our rotation in the first summer be or between like year one and year two of medical school. So um, that's one thing um, I'm thinking about. Um, so talking to a lot of researchers and stuff like that. So that's exciting. But um, one thing I'm really focused on right now is uh, just a lot of our classes, like learning cool biology. I, I learned this week that there's fat in our bones that was that, that I, I forgot about that um but our bones do indeed have fat um so and it accumulates as you get older which is kind of interesting um so lear i'm learning a lot about just biology and one thing that the medical school i'm at um does is they actually um invite uh patients to come in and talk to us about the uh the the medical challenges that they're facing um, so today we had a patient come in and talk to us about their disease and uh, what it's like to live with it and um, what we as uh, aspiring physicians can learn from them. Um, and so that's been really powerful. Um, these uh, patients have taught me a lot already, and uh, I'm really looking forward to learning more from them in the future. Yay. That's great. I'm so excited for you. Yeah, this has been super interesting to listen to my experience has been a lot different um uh for context i went to school um computer science uh got my master's degree and it was a lot more in my experience like undergrad than it was um to everyone else who's spoken tonight i didn't really go into much research there was kind of exploration some paper writing depending on the course but there were some courses that were just more interesting that you might not be able to explore um, in undergrad uh, for at least in the computer science program that I was in. Um, a lot of that was foundational knowledge. So uh, before I get into it, um, I just kind of want to say that I, I know this is a little bit different from what the others talked about. Um, this is a little bit more. Um, I don't know what the best way to put it is. It, I think the easiest way is to kind of talk about how it's it's not exactly the same kind of science it's a little bit more in the engineering kind of uh field so um forgive me if it's if you're more interested in the biology side of things and the the actual science computer science is cool too it's it's cool but it's different and i i'll be the first to acknowledge mm -hmm. that um but yeah so this my experience is a little bit more go in and and practice and 
learn about like get some foundational knowledge first right for people who haven't done um, programming before um a lot of early undergraduate computer science is we we want to learn about these languages that were very close to the bare metal we talking like assembly languages and like the original c language and then we're going to build up on top of that with c++ which is like c but we have a lot more conveniences built into it and from there it's like okay what can we do with c++ one of my projects was making the game snake right <laughs> but that's all the the undergraduate stuff yeah it was cool but the graduate level kind of goes, all right, so you, we already know that you have this foundational knowledge. Here's kind of more advanced topics. Yeah, you learned how to write if statements and stuff, but have you ever interfaced with a database before? Okay, so here's a SQL course. Um, you may have used Python in undergrad or in your own free time, but have you ever considered using it in the context of a neural network and kind of see the medical applications of that? Um, Data mining is a really big industry. How can we kind of drill down into huge data sets and kind of extract relevant information? So those are the kind of topics that my school went into at the grad level. Um, they kind of wanted you to explore a bunch of different things. I didn't really declare anything specific in computer science. I know some people might have a discipline. Um, for me, it was just kind of general. There are four categories. Um, it was like security, there was robotics, there was foundational. Um, I forget exactly what the last one was, but they, they kind of wanted you to bounce around different topics. And um, unlike a PhD program in other disciplines, and I guess in some other disciplines, master's as well, there wasn't a requirement to write a thesis or a paper or defend anything. Um, you had the option to if you wanted to. It wasn't a requirement. And I had elected to just take a few more classes and that would substitute the need for that. So um, that's kind of like an overview of, of what computer science grad school was. Again, like the, the TLDR is it's more of the same. The stuff that you specialize in sounds really cool and advanced and my mind is exploding because I feel like computer science is like <laughs> such a valuable <laughs> thing to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 challenging, right? I felt like every day that I was I was doing something, I was learning and failing and learning from that failure. And that's a really good thing. That's something I learned really early on is that failure isn't a bad thing. It's actually a really good thing if you can learn from it. I think that's a great uh, a great lesson that will likely apply to all of us. Sorry to butt in there. <laughs> but oh, yes. I like that statement. I agree. Yeah, I think um, in pretty much anything, if you're learning from your mistakes, then you're learning the right way. Um, yeah, I, I guess the last thing I would say on, on the subject is um, there's a, it's a lot of practice, computer science, um, kind of it, it's a lot of muscle memory, getting familiar with certain areas and just doing it. Um, it's a little bit less look at your textbook, memorize oh, when was the original C language implemented kind of a thing? It's, it's a lot more um, functional. Um, so I think, I think that kind of explains the different approach. Um, there's a little bit less opportunity for research. You can certainly get your PhD in computer science, um, but that's usually a little bit more reserved for if you're going to be a professor, if you're going to go and teach people, maybe you'll get some experience in industry and go back and do the research. So um, was it really uh, a requirement for, for the job that at least the jobs that I was looking for. But um, kind of like I said in the intro, 
it did it does kind of give me an edge you get your foot in the door i found um coming from the context of now i'm working full time applying for jobs um that little masters that you have on the resume can get a lot more people interested in reaching out to you um that said it doesn't necessarily help you in the interview process software engineer uh software engineer interviews can be um, very ruthless in, in some ways you got like half an hour and you got to show your stuff. <laughs> so, um, you don't really even need a master's degree for that. But, um, if you want to get your foot in the door, it's a very, very good way to do yeah. so. Stay winning. Um, people. Stay winning. Heck yeah. Um, <laughs> what, one question what, what, uh, what, what got you interested in computer science and doing a master's? Forewarning, I'm sure there are a lot of people in the audience that can relate. A huge nerd here. Um, I I had always grown up playing games and using the computer, and technology has always been a big part of my life. And when it came around middle school, high school time, I was really starting to think about, okay, what do I want to do after high school? I've been going through the motions of waking up, going to class every day. What do I actually want to do with the time when I'm an adult? And, um, the answer always came back to technology. It's, it's what I surround myself with. It's what I know the best. Um, does that mean I want to go into design? Does that mean I want to uh, develop games? What do I want to do? And I found that while I wasn't the best math student, um, I really liked the aspect of math, uh, that has like the problem solving component, like figuring something out and getting the right answer. That's awesome. But kind of like the the failure thing I was talking about before, that doesn't always happen the first time. You make mistakes. You learn a new concept. You try to apply the formula and you don't get the right answer. And you have to go, well, why? You go back, try to figure it out, work through it. Oh, okay. And that kind of kickback of I figured it out. I got it um, was really my favorite part about about math and going into some of the high school computing courses that that my high school offered. Um, it was more of that except now you could actually kind of see when you did something right, it showed up on the screen and that was kind of rewarding in and of itself. So um, I guess it's a little selfish. It's a little self-fulfilling of, I like this feeling of I did good. Mm. Um, I kind of like the idea, idea of learning from my failure, turning this, you know, what's, what can be associated as a big negative, kind of flipping it into a positive. And um, that's pretty much it. Super cool. Uh Maybe we should pivot a little bit to kind of sharing with our listeners what it's like to apply to these kinds of programs if you're at the point where you're thinking about applying. Um, I Maybe we should chat a bit, a bit about the PhD and master's first. I can cover the MD side of things a little later. Yeah, um, I could speak a little bit about the timeline for applying for PhDs. So um, the application process takes, um, I would say, a few months. So um, the standard timeline, at least um, in my experience for the biology PhD programs that I applied to back in the day, um, were that in the autumn, so late November, um, you typically submit your applications to different schools. So um, unlike applying to college, there's not really like a common app um, that's available that you send to all the schools um, for your graduate programs. But each school kind of has their own. Um, so you submit an application which consists of a personal statement, so why you want to go to grad school, 
um, a research statement, um, which is basically like a summary of the research that you have participated in um, before applying to grad school. Um, and amongst a few other things like transcripts and CVs and all of that good administrative stuff. Um, and then you typically hear back from the grad school PhD program um, in a month or two. So um, in my experience, since I um, submitted applications in late November, um, I heard back in December um, whether or not I was selected to come interview for the grad school program. Um, and I did not know this, but the interviews are kind of like a whole affair. So the um, graduate schools will invite their prospective PhD students um, to come visit the campus. Um, and you get to meet all the professors, um, meet your potential classmates, meet the people that are currently doing PhDs there. Um, you get to talk to them um, about what it's like and ask them all the questions that you have. Um, and the interview component is basically just a short talk you give about your research um, that you give to um, professors who are interviewing you to see if you are a good fit for the program. Um, so, and it's also a lot of fun, I think. Um, so uh, depending on like the school or program that you interview with, um, they will often try to show you like what life is like at, on the campus or in the surrounding city. So when I was interviewing, I like visited a lot of like museums and did a lot of like fun, like outdoorsy activities um, with the interview cohort um, and like drank, like um, ate a lot of like free food and like got wined and dined. Um, so it was really fun. <laughs> and uh, they pay um, for you to do this. So they fly you out um, and pay for your hotel and everything. So it was a great time, I think. And um, I especially enjoyed it because um, I just got to talk about my research and everybody had to listen to me so it was a great time at least for me um yeah yeah I can agree with Maya um except ours was a little bit different and I will be interested to know how it will be going forward because of the pandemic um but I actually got interviewed over zoom so all the schools that interviewed me interviewed me over zoom which honestly was quite nice in a way because it meant I didn't have to travel um a lot and then what they did is that if you uh got into the school after the interviews then there most schools not all schools actually but most schools um would invite you back for what they called a second visit um and so I think that's a great structure because you don't have to travel for the interviews and then once you've done the interviews and you're in you get to go visit so there's no pressure um and yeah you still get wined and dined <laughs> so it's great um and I hope that they do that going forward um because everyone that I spoke to at least really enjoyed um the way that um it's set up now so hopefully it'll stay like that or they'll do everything in person who knows but I know no one really wants to do everything over zoom <laughs> yeah it was a little different for me actually um there were some similarities with like um, statement of purpose and putting in a, a resume. Um, but I had started my journey um, before the pandemic. I graduated undergrad 2019 and something that um, UMass Lowell offered. And I know a lot of schools do this, but in particular, um, they had a plus one program. So if you had the idea that you were interested to go to grad school after right, like right after undergrad or you could defer to furry about a year or so, um, you could sign up for the plus one program and just kind of pick up where you left off. Um, I think it was, it was interesting because 
there was a little bit less. I, you guys are lucky with the wine and dine. My school was just <laughs> like, you want in or not? And it was very much just like, well, okay, if this school's offering the plus one program, they already have your information. They kind of know who you are already. There's a little bit less going back and forth. You just kind of have to prove that, you know, you were a good student and that um, you were serious about it with a statement of purpose and your resume and your grades. And there are some benefits to that. I, I'll probably talk to it more in a little bit, but being able to know that a lot of your uh, credits will double count was incentivizing to me. Being able to complete a degree in a year instead of two for the master's was also in, uh, an incentive to me to just kind of do it because I knew I was the type of person that when I was done with school, I would have difficulty going back. So um, get do it now, get it done while everything's still fresh in my head. That was kind of my approach to it. Yeah, I guess I'll uh, I'll cover the medical school side of things. It's uh... I, I could we could have a whole episode on this, uh, but it's a, a a pretty involved process. Um, so if you're like me and you kind of want to apply as early as you can so that you uh, maximize the uh, chance of getting in, basically a lot of medical schools will have like sort of rolling admissions, sort of in the sense that like if you apply earlier, they're more likely to give you an interview in a lot of cases, not all. Um, so, uh, I actually, uh, after, um, a few years of getting some clinical experience and research experience and making sure that I, uh, knew that medical school was really for me, um, I did, I filled out the, what they call the primary application where you have your letters of recommendation and your grades, your transcript, like your just general personal information, um, like kind of a list of some of the activities you've done, like, I actually mentioned some podcasting stuff that I was doing, th things like that. Um, and uh, also you, in this application, you include a personal statement. However, this personal statement is a little different from um, a lot of like standard personal statements that you hear about. This one is really uh, about who you are as a person, why do you want to be a doctor, and what kind of doctor do you want to be? Not necessarily like, oh, I want to go into oncology or, oh, I want to go into surgery. Like you, it's more, how do you want to carry yourself as a physician? Like what, what values do you want to bring to the profession? Um, and so uh, I wrote that and uh, I actually, um, I checked the MD-PhD box. Like the, on this application, you say, do you want to do, apply to MD-PhD programs too? And you click yes, um, if you want to do that. And so I actually had to do two extra essays. The first was why MD PhD, like what, why, why do, what do you want to do a combined degree? And the second was a kind of like what Maya mentioned, a research statement where you just describe, okay, I've did this research project. Here's what I did. Here's what I learned. Like, and then go on to the next one. Um, and so I submitted that. Um, I did, I started writing, uh, just because I am crazy. I started writing in about February and I submitted it in June, June, um, of 2021. Um, and so, uh, so, some people started a little later, um, uh, my, my, uh, pre-med advising program at my, uh, college, my undergraduate college encouraged us to apply, uh, or to start writing in February. So I did that. Um, I submitted my application. Um, and that application went to a bunch of different schools. I just chose every school that I wanted it to go to. And then um, 
about a month later, uh, maybe a month and a half, I got secondary applications from almost all of those schools. These these applications are kind of like um, a supplement to the primary application where you uh, answer questions that are specific to that school. So um, and uh, I act, uh, since I was doing the MD PhD. Um, in addition to the standard MD questions, I had a few additional ones related to research as well. Like, who might you be interested in researching with if you came here? Like, th things along those lines. Um, and so I submitted those, and that was absolutely brutal. Um, since I was working full-time as well, it took a long time for me to finish all of them. Um, I was working all the way from, like, uh, July through, like, October, um, which, uh, so it depends on how many schools you apply to. I apply to a lot. Um, but, um, once I was done that, I got, I started getting interview invites. And so, uh, normally, uh, like my invites were all virtual, same as Lauren's. Um, and so, um, I would hop on the computer and, uh, hop on the zoom and we'd talk about why I want to be a doctor and, uh, why I'm interested in coming to the school and things like that. Um, I'd also, in addition, like in addition to these medical school interviews, um, I would have interviews with different research faculty members at each of these schools to talk about why I was interested in doing research as well. Um, and so I had that additional component. Um, and that went all the way through from, for me, uh, my first interview was in November. Uh, some people got interviews as early as September if they submitted their application like it, like very, very early. Like the earliest you could submit it was like, uh, like the end of May, I think. Um, but... Yeah, my, my applications or my interview season went all the way through from November 2021 until February 2022, um, after which I, I started getting acceptances, um, and I got my last acceptance in March of 2022, and I uh, then went to uh, kind of see different schools. Um, they did pay for me to come out. Uh, normally, they don't pay for med school students, but since I have the PhD component, they did um, and got to see what schools were like. In, in person, talk to people there, and then decide and lock in by the beginning of May of 2022. And now I'm here. So that's really uh, my experience so far. Uh, pivoting yet again, um, maybe we should just chat a little bit about uh, what is grad school really for everyone? And I, I want to put this out here to the rest of our team, uh, see what you guys think. Well, I, I guess I can hop on. There's one one avenue that I was thinking first and foremost is um, do I want to take on more debt for this? Um, that was always something the finance side of things was always kind of um, present in my mind as I was thinking about this. Um, I kind of thought of it as an investment. I know that um, going that little extra step going for grad school can result sometimes in a higher pay when you're looking for a full time career. Um, that was something that was in my mind. Um, I have a couple notes here that I wanted to highlight on that um, a semester of undergrad for me, and this will change from person to person. Everyone's financial situation is a little different for me. Um, undergrad was less expensive per semester than graduate school. And I think that people would probably expect that um, one positive, I guess I'll say to that, that, that ended up happening in my experience was that all of my graduate tuition was covered by federal loans. I didn't have to take out any private loans for that. Whereas undergrad, there was a, there's a limit. So about half of my uh, undergrad loans were federal and the other were private. 
um, because they only covered me up to a certain degree. So there was a higher threshold for that. Um, It's something to be aware of if if you're pursuing a graduate degree. Yeah. um, In my experience, and it's actually something I did not know before applying to grad schools, but um, for biology programs, uh, PhD programs in the U.S. at least, um, they pay you to attend. So you receive a stipend. over course of the, the whole year, and the stipend can increase, hopefully, um, <laughs> as time goes on. Um, that, uh, yeah, so you receive a stipend um, that compensates you for your time for the research that you're doing. Um, and also, um, I know um, other programs also have kind of a system set up, but you can take on more classes to teach, um, and that'll also bring in additional income. Um, that being said, like, um, I do feel very lucky, um, to go to school and receive something, um, in exchange for going to school. Um, that's the first time it's ever happened for me. (laughs) Um, but I do want to say that, like, um, depending on your financial situation, um, the yearly stipend, um, can fall short of what you might need to, um, pay for what you like pay for your expenses throughout the year um as grad school stipends are kind of infamously like not great um and of course it depends on your situation um so something i would highly recommend um that you do when you're considering applying to um biology phd programs um in the u.s is um really uh, consider like the area's cost of living um, and the stipend that the school offers um, and see if um, it is compatible with you um, and if you can get by with it. Um, So it might look like some schools offer more or less than the others, um, but the value fluctuates a lot due to the area's cost of living. Yeah, I think those are all really important points. Um, I think also when you're thinking about graduate school, whether it's a master's or PhD, I think um, like we mentioned before, you really need to do a lot of, I think, um, in inward searching. <laughs> That's probably not the uh, best word to use, but I think it's really important to understand why you want to do it. Um, if you need a PhD or if you need a master's for the career you'd like to do. Or if you don't, um, understand that it's a time commitment ranging from four, five to eight years. Um, And I think, yeah, when you're thinking about all of these things, um, it's important to talk to people who've gone through it. Um, At least that's what I found really, really helpful. Um, Whether that's people who are in the middle of their PhD or master's or MD program or have completed it and now are in the... um, careers that you want so one of the pieces of advice that I got was look around you look at the people that you want to be like and ask them how they got there um and I think that's really valuable um yeah yeah and uh for the uh MD degree uh things are a little different uh normally for the four years uh it's not uncommon for people to take on hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt um, medical school is absurdly expensive. Um, so this is something that you should definitely keep in mind. However, um, it is often, um, not always, but often uh, easier than one might think to pay it off after medical school um, when one is starting to earn a, a salary as a physician. Um, this is not always the case, 
But so it's really important to keep that in mind and really consider the financial aspect of it. Um, additionally, for um, being a physician, uh, it's a real responsibility. People look to you to really uh, be capable of helping them make decisions that are really going to impact their lives. And so uh, you really like it's something that um, while uh, obviously I'm not always going to be super serious all the time as a just a person, as a physician, I really do need to be serious about um, the responsibility and uh, understand the responsibility that I uh, that is kind of sort of vested in me to take care of pe- other people. Um, and so that, that's definitely something to keep in mind as well. And uh, it's a long road and you're always learning. So, uh, and it's a very intensive career. Um, burnout is not uncommon among physicians in terms of just doing so much work that uh, they just get really tired. Um, so definitely keep that in mind. And if you do choose to go down the path of a physician, uh, think about uh, other aspects of your life that you might wanna uh, keep in touch with. Um, oh, uh, uh, yes, Pickle? Yeah, I just wanna tag on to that, the, particularly the part where you mentioned burnout. Um... That was definitely something I and, and you know, I, I was only in grad school for about a year, um, but that is something that I struggled with um, throughout the experience is it's just sometimes the work can really pile up. And even if you stay on top of it, um, it can kind of be weird in other ways. Like if you're working on the weekends, too, right, you, you work Monday through Friday on all your grad school stuff and then you're like, well, I'll get ahead on, on the Saturday and then you kind of your life starts kind of slipping away like your personal free time because you're just constantly in grad school. I can do this better. I can do a little bit more research. So um, I think it's really key to take time for yourself and slow down. Like you're going to make it. Um, Don't, don't let yourself burn out because um, it's a really important time in your career. If you've decided to go for a graduate degree. So um, yeah, don't let yourself. Absolutely. Uh, That's, I think that's absolutely true regardless of what you're doing. Uh, And just in general, even if you're not doing a graduate degree, um, the one financial thing I want to add for MD-PhD um, is that generally those degrees are paid. Um, so for me, for all eight years, I'm going to have a stipend as a graduate student. Um, so what, instead of paying in money um, with like a, normal, a standard MD degree, I'm paying in time um, So because my program is eight years long. Um, and in this case, MD-PhD, you definitely don't want to do it because it's a uh, free MD, um, just because it's a really long road. So I would definitely keep that in mind and make sure you enjoy both research and clinical care. Um, yeah, I think everyone has shared hopefully some really, really helpful advice for all the listeners. Um, and so one of the uh, last things we want to talk about is um, firstly how to decide on a program Um And I think some of the key factors are obviously the the areas of research you're interested in um, and look to programs that have faculty doing the kind of research you want to do. The location, you're going to be living there for one to two years if you're doing your master's, probably four, five plus years (laughs) if you're doing your MD, PhD or your PhD. And so I think that is super important. And then obviously with that goes all the financial costs that you want to consider when living in, um, for example, New York City versus Utah. Um, Those are going to be two very different uh, costs of living and probably also two very different stipends. 
Um, and so I think, you know, for some people, it's more important um, to consider the cost of living. So, yeah, just I think uh, think about all of those. And then we also wanted to go over some useful resources. And so, Maya, do you, could you share with us uh, the resources that you found helpful when applying to grad school? Yeah, so um, I, when I was an undergrad, I didn't have a lot of, I guess, like in-person resources besides just like the one grad student in my lab um, that I could ask about what grad school is like. So in addition to like the few people that were in grad school that I interacted with um, and they had great stories to tell me um, and also like oodles and oodles of helpful tips for how to apply and what to expect. Um, I found um, actually seeking out people's experiences on blogs and Instagram and Tumblr, um, telling about their journeys through graduate school to be um, really, really helpful. So there are a number out there, um, even if you just type in like grad school in like um, Instagram or TikTok or whatever, um, you'll find a lot of people documenting their journeys and um, I still kind of like look at those accounts today because I want to be like, ooh, what are they doing in their grad school journey today? Um, so kind of getting like a sneak peek at someone's daily life um, during their own personal blog um, is was really helpful for me to kind of like see what grad school is like on their end. Yeah. Um, yeah. Does anyone else have any other resources they found really helpful? I mean, I completely agree that um, the internet is a wonderful place for resources because I actually went to an undergraduate institution. There were no grad students. Um, and even when I did my research in undergrad, I didn't interact with grad students. And so for me personally, um, I really had to firstly get out of my comfort zone by talking to people and reaching out um, to alumni of my undergrad institution who did uh, PhDs to ask about their experiences. But slightly less daunting was just searching on the internet. <laughs> um, and there are tons and tons of videos through the NIH and uh, actually many other uh, like undergrad institutions that will upload um, info sessions they do for their students or uh, similar videos along those lines. So personally, yes, the internet is an amazing tool <laughs> when, uh, when trying to tackle this whole process. Yeah, just really quick. My, I, the, the, the advice I would give would be um, if you have any peers um, that are already in the graduate program that you're looking to do, talk to them, talk to your TAs, talk to your professors. Uh, one thing I found really useful was there was a grad school day, like a fair that they held on like a Saturday at my school. And that was very informational, um, kind of laid everything out. So if your school offers that, definitely take advantage of that, too. Yeah, I think um, for me. Um, I'm, I'm going to just echo everyone's points. I think the most valuable thing for me was just talking to people, getting to know as many people as I can, just as early as I can. Um, and it, um, it's really, for me, that was really the biggest thing. In addition to all of these resources that everyone else has mentioned already. Uh, that and also just uh, kind of as we've mentioned throughout this whole, um, of this whole audio piece, um, getting your hands dirty in terms of like maybe learning to code or going and shadowing a doctor to see what it's like, or just trying to get some time to work at a research lab as an undergraduate, um, things, things along those lines to really see, um, is this what you want to do? And also preparing you 
to show that uh, you are you've indeed tested uh, whether this is really what you want to do and that you're capable of potentially doing it for when you apply. Um, yeah. And I think one last amazing resource is that we are a resource for you, dear listeners. So if you yes. have questions about grad school, what it's like to apply, um, more questions about our own experiences um, in the biology, um, like life sciences, PhDs, MD, PhD, computer science, um, masters, all that stuff. Um, we are really happy um, to help you through it because that's what we're here for. We'd love to interact with you and build connections and help you get to where you want to be and demystify the whole process because it's not extremely obvious um, at all um, when you're first looking into it. Yes, I, I cannot echo what Maya said uh, with any more enthusiasm. Really, we are such a big resource and all of us here are more than happy to share our own experiences and uh, what we know to the best of our ability because honestly I I think I'm correct in saying this for all of us that we wouldn't have got to where we are without uh, the help of uh, other people that we turn to. Yeah and if you're uh, interested in getting in touch with us you can shoot us an email at interact I believe our email is interactomedia at gmail.com um, and we also have our Twitter at the Interactome. So uh, feel free to message us directly on there or tweet us, whatever you'd like, and we'd be happy to help out how we can. And uh, with that, I think, uh, I guess we'll see you next time for another episode of The Interactome. Bye. 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 <laughs>